Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Uh, we were talking this morning about what my last sermon may have been, and I think I had titled it Keep Your Faith on a Leash, which is a bit heretical perhaps now that I look back on it, but I was 18. It was before I was ordained. I don't think any of my words counted until I was at least 21. Um, but I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be home. Hillsdale is my home. This is my home church. This is where I grew up, uh, as we just said. This is where I remember growing up in the warehouse and, and probably playing too rough out on the playground out back and all these wonderful memories uh, of these years at Hillsdale. And so I'm so appreciative of y'all having me here today and coming home. I asked myself as I was kind of starting to work on what I was going to talk about this morning and what I was going to preach about, asking why. You know, why am I here? What do I have to share? What can I share with those of you here today? And I think it's an exciting affirmation. I want to brag on y'all a little bit this morning. I want to brag on my home church. Because six years ago, I stood up on this stage, uh, just like Tori did a couple months ago, and you affirmed me. You said, yes, we affirm Nathan for candidacy in the United Methodist Church. You said, yes, we think he can do this. We think this 21-year-old ruffian might just have a chance at this thing. That was your doing. You affirmed it. You are the ones responsible for all my decisions and heretical sermons. And where I've been since then, I served at Pelham United Methodist Church up in Pelham, North Carolina. If you don't know where that is, I don't blame you. Uh, it was very close to Danville, Virginia. That was where we went. And it was just a little old rural church with some wonderful, uh, lovely memories, lovely people, but really in the middle of nowhere. So I don't blame you uh, if you don't know where that is. If you do, you probably know it as the place you pass on the way to somewhere. That's what we heard a lot over there in Pelham. While I was there, I, I served, um, or while I was serving at Pelham, I was also uh, a student at Duke Divinity School, pursuing that. Uh, and then now I'm entering into this time of provisional ministry, these first couple years um, before they uh, uh, ordain me into full connection as I prepare for that time in the United Methodist Church. And that is your doing. You are the ones that affirmed this and said that this was okay. And now I'm starting to plant a church. So whenever I first started this process, I first got this calling to plant something. Uh, I sat down with our church planner here in the West North Carolina Conference. And I said, you know, I, I know that I just got this whole reverend title. I know that I really just got this, but I think I'd like to go by another name. That I think I'd kind of like to be a nerd pastor. And he looked at me kind of strange. And I explained that I want to plant a church for nerds, geeks, and gamers, for my people, for the people that I relate to. And he had one question for me. He got a real serious look on his face and said, Well, Nathan, what are your thoughts on Dungeons and Dragons? I said, Well, I'm going to be honest. I play every Thursday night with my college buddies. And he leaned over at me and he said, I play every Sunday night. So we clicked. We hit it off right away. We knew that this was something necessary. This was something exciting. This was something possible. Uh, and so through the affirmations of my mentors, through the church planting uh, division here at the West North Carolina Conference, and through your support and affirmation six years ago, here we are. We're in our first year as Checkpoint Church, the church for nerds, geeks, and gamers. Now, we don't technically have a physical location. We don't have a building that we work out of. Uh, right now, we're working out of my 100-square-foot guest bedroom. Uh, but we are mostly a virtual church. 
We are planted in Denver, North Carolina, but we are reaching the whole globe. In fact, in our very first Twitch stream, uh, whenever we joined for that very first time, we had somebody from France there, which is just something that I brag about because that, that is such a remarkable thing. How many churches get to say that they had someone in France in their first service? They had somebody attending all the way from across the globe. It's an incredible, incredible opportunity. And I vehemently believe that the virtual space is a real space for ministry to be done. I think that it's something that's not being done enough quite yet. And so I wanted to reach into that space and plan a church virtually. And that kind of leads us to our scripture for this morning. So we're going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 9 through 13. It's going to be up on the screen. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, feel free. I'll be reading from the NRSV. That's my preferred translation, um, but whatever works best. Just hear now these words from the Gospel writer John, chapter 17, verses 9 through 13. These are the words of Christ. I am asking on their behalf, their being the disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, this is kind of a strange chunk of Scripture, especially on this Sunday, which is Pentecost Sunday. Normally, you might read a Pentecost message or something along the lines of the Holy Spirit, but I just chose this Scripture as one of the Scriptures where Jesus Praise. We don't get too, too many of those. Uh, and when we do look at a prayer of Jesus, normally we look at the Lord's Prayer. We memorize that. We hear it on confirmation. We read it again and again. Now this one, if you want to memorize it, I say go for it. Uh, but I don't think that's in my wheelhouse. It's a, it is a long scripture. Uh, it's actually broken up into three parts. And so I just read out of the middle chunk. But I want to talk about the whole thing together and talk about what we're looking at here so that we have some context for what Jesus is getting at and what it has to do with you and what it has to do with Checkpoint Church. So this is a, this is a passage where Jesus is really praying for all people. He's praying for everyone in three different chunks. So first, he prays for himself. Right before we actually got there where we picked up, Jesus prays that he may be glorified. He prays to God, God, make me glorified. Make my name known. Make it so that people know me. Then he goes into the second chunk that we just read where he's praying for the disciples, for the early church, for those that already do know him. And he prays that they might make his name more known, that they might let his name be known through them. And then the third, he prays for everybody that doesn't know him, that they may come to know him. So Jesus is praying for these three different groups that in the end 
are every single one of us in here and every single one of us outside of these four walls. Do you see the overlap here that Jesus is, is praying to be known? Jesus is praying for our eyes to be opened, for awareness of Jesus to be made clear through the works of his self, through the works of us as disciples, and through the works of the Holy Spirit in the rest of the world. If we take a step back again, we see that this is actually the same walk of faith that John Wesley uh, saw in his Patterns of Grace. We start out with provenient grace. where We haven't quite yet met Jesus, but nevertheless, Jesus prays for us. Then we reach justifying grace, where we know Jesus, we accept him. And then we reach sanctifying grace, where we make Jesus' name known. And then perfecting grace, Jesus prays for himself to be made known, to be made perfect for those to know him better. And so this is an interesting take as we get to see ourselves in all these different places. And I think this is a hopeful passage in the sense that no matter where you are or who you are, you know that Jesus prayed for you. Where you are right now, Jesus prayed for where you are. Whether you know Jesus, whether you don't, whether you know him very well and have started to spread, whatever it may be, Jesus prayed for you. Now, if you knew me back in high school, whenever I was here at Hillsdale, you know that I was very involved with the theater program at Davy High and with the Brock. I loved musicals. I loved doing all the stage productions. All that stuff was just my bread and butter. I absolutely loved it. And what I think was really fun about those is that you get to see yourself in different characters. All of the characters have different stories, and you see them in different ways in your life. I think about A Christmas Carol, where sometimes we might see ourselves as Scrooge, and sometimes we may not. Sometimes we may see ourselves in the other characters. The Bible is a lot like that. It's a narrative. It's a living narrative where we get to see ourselves in these different places. So where do you see yourself in this scripture? Where is Jesus praying for you now? The good news is, he is praying for you. He did pray for you. This prayer is about you, no matter who you are. And that's an incredible promise because it means that it's open. It's open to everyone. Jesus already prayed for us all, and he prayed for us intentionally. Ultimately, what is Jesus praying for? He's praying that he may be known. What does that mean? That's a weird thing to pray, right? To pray that I may be known. Ultimately, I think Jesus is praying for a home. He's praying for everyone out there to have a home. Hillsdale is my home. This is my home church where I feel drawn to. And so that's a pretty weird thing to think about as well, right? We have our homes. We leave our homes to come to church. But this is actually your home as well. This is a place where you get to come home. And Jesus gets even weirder. He gets even more confusing because he says this weird sentence that maybe you've had a tough time wrapping your head around before. He says, let them be one as we are one. Let them be one as we are one. Now we don't say that very often. We don't talk about that scripture very often. We don't really dive into what that might mean for us today. One time where we do say it quite often is actually I got to do a wedding last weekend. And in a wedding, we say that, right? We say the bride and the groom, these two have become one, let nothing put them asunder, right? We, we say those things, one, two, two become one. Now, uh, my wife is here and my daughter is back in the nursery. I have a feeling she would probably raise her eyebrows if I said that I want to enter into a oneness with all of you here in this room with this idea of marriage oneness 
being what we normally think of. But in fact, marriage is an echo of the oneness we experience with Christ. It's an individualized form of that oneness that we get. So what's happening? What's happening in marriage? What are we doing? We're entering into a covenant. We're entering into a covenant together. We say our vows, we enter into a covenant, and normally you think of the bride and the groom covenanting together. But the reality is, is that's not the whole picture. It's not actually just the bride and the groom saying they're going to be one, but instead, in a Christian wedding, we say the bride and the groom, and then Jesus is also a part of this. Christ is also intimately sewn into here. And then the officiant will look out at the congregation, at those gathered, and will say, will you uphold this covenant? Will you love and pray and be there for these people? And ideally, hopefully, you say, we will. And so it's not just the bride and the groom coming together to be one, Jesus coming together to be one. The congregation, those that are gathered, the family, those that love, they're entering into this relationship too. It's a covenant. It is a responsibility. It is a greater thing. We are agreeing to be one body together in this marriage covenant. But like I said, this is an echo. This is something we already do in the church. And we do it through the sacrament of baptism. Whenever we are baptized, we say those same kinds of things. Whenever we get dunked under the water, we make vows. Last year, uh, my, my baby Nora was able to be baptized here by her pawpaw out in the baptismal font out front. And that was my absolute joy to get to see her go in the water, get baptized, and then what happens? Everybody that was there that day, my dad would ask the question, will you love her, keep her, will you nourish her, will you let her be uh, growing up in a Christian home? And hopefully, you all said, we will. So Nora is your responsibility. (laughs) Nora's growth is your responsibility because we became one in that baptismal covenant. I was baptized here and reaffirmed here many, many times, probably a dozen and a half times. I loved getting out in the water and putting my bathing suit on and going (laughs) down to the Yadkin. It was really all a big excuse, a big ruse. But I have been reaffirmed so many times in this church, and every single time we agreed, I agreed to remember my covenant that I forged, and those gathered there got to say, will you? And you said, we will. You own that responsibility of being one, of entering into this great thing that we call a covenant. And that is my greatest joy. That's why Hillsdale is so important to me. That's why this church family, it's why home is so important because it's a place where we've all agreed to enter into this oneness, into this covenant, to love and to care and to be there for one another. So this will always be a special place to me. And this is why Checkpoint is so important. Because I am offering up or hoping to offer up that same sense of oneness to nerds, geeks, and gamers that is not being offered as well as we ought. I discovered whenever I went to High Point that I, 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 like, I like anime, I like video games, I like all that good stuff. And so my friends, my clique that I started to forge with in High Point, uh, these people that I loved and grew close to, I discovered that they didn't go to church. Or, worst case scenario, they had actually been hurt by their time at the church. 
And I kept discovering that again and again and again. And so I had my youth group people from Hillsdale that I loved and cherished. And then I had these new friends that I was making at High Point and never the twain shall meet, right? It was these two couldn't be more divided groups and it absolutely broke my heart. And so that was whenever I first discerned this calling, I realized that I'm I'm called to the ministry, sure, but even more specifically, I'm in this moment for such a time as this where I'm a big nerd, I'm a big geek, I'm a big gamer, there's not a bridge existing here. And so I talked to my mentors, I talked to church planters, I talked to you, I I was affirmed here that said, I want to be the bridge. I want to bridge this gap between these two groups. I want to be the uniting factor. I want to offer them the chance for oneness. I want to offer us the chance to enter into a covenant together. And we can learn from each other. Make no mistake. If you look at the communities that nerds, geeks, and gamers do forge, look at Comic-Con, for instance, if you're familiar, hundreds of thousands of people across the globe will come together for these events in convention centers for weekends just to get together and play some games with one another. That's an incredible thing. That's an incredible bonding experience. And so we can learn, they can learn, and we can unite in something greater than the sum of our parts. One thing that I keep discovering as I tell this story, and that's what I do, as a church planner, that's something that I do all the time. I tell this story. I talk about it. I share it. I share my vision. I share what we're doing. I share this church plan. I say what Checkpoint is. They always laugh at nerds, geeks, and gamers. And I share this again and again and again. And I hear the same thing every single time. And it's, it's music to my ears, so don't feel like it's too much. But I hear the same thing every single time. And maybe you are thinking it right now. Maybe you're thinking this exact statement in your brain at this exact moment. I hear it again and again. They say, Nathan, that would be perfect for my niece, for my nephew, for my cousin, for my best friend, for my spouse, for this person in my life. That sounds like the perfect thing for them. I have wanted them to get plugged in at church for so long, and finally... That thing that we just couldn't make click, finally. So whatever you're filling in that blank with, Checkpoint is the perfect person, the perfect place for this fill in the blank. Let me know. Share them. Share that together. Let them know about this opportunity to be one, to join into a community, to have something together. We want to welcome them home. That's my greatest goal, my greatest wish, is that I want to offer up my fellow nerds this opportunity to enter into something great, to enter into something that we know, this covenant that we see, that we understand, that we get to experience, because we found home. I found home at Hillsdale. I know what home looks like, and I want that for them. So like I mentioned just a moment ago, this is Pentecost Sunday. If you're not familiar with what that is, whenever Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples, there were these tongues of fire that descended upon them. And the amazing miracles were able to happen when that happened on Pentecost Day. And one of the most amazing things is that all of a sudden, these people who had probably only been able to speak one language, all of a sudden, they were able to speak in the language of many. The curse of the Tower of Babel, they were able to speak to people in languages they didn't know, that didn't make any sense to them, they'd never bothered to learn them, and all of a sudden they could speak them fluently 
And people were being converted left and right. People were hearing the gospel left and right. Home was being offered left and right. So the question I want to ask is, what about Klingon? (laughs) What about C++? What languages are we speaking today? The tongues of fire are upon us. The Holy Spirit is within us. What language are we speaking? Are we offering it up to all people? In the Great Commission, when we're called to go to all people, what does that mean for the nerd, the geek, and the gamer? Are we offering up that language? Are we speaking to them? Are we reaching to them? It's our obligation. It's our responsibility to that oneness. So what? What does that mean for you? What can you do with this information other than just laugh at my Klingon jokes and other than just say, hey, that's a, that's a, a neat idea. What a weird church. Other than that... What can you do with this information? The first thing I want you to do is pat yourself on the back. I want to say good job, good and faithful servants, because you have affirmed my ministry. You've affirmed Tori's ministry. You've affirmed so many people that have gone into candidacy. This is a good thing. You are doing good work by affirming those who have a calling, by saying yes, by raising your hands, by affirming what they're doing and what God is doing in them. The second thing you can do is to be one, to be home, to connect people to home, whether that be Hillsdale, whether that be Checkpoint, whether that be something else entirely, offer up that sense of home, that thing that you've found, let others experience it as well. This world is going to naturally try to divide us. We're going to naturally want to separate ourselves by who we think we are or how we define ourselves, whether we go to 9, 10, or 11 o'clock service. We want to divide ourselves. Let's be better than that. Let's unite. Let's be one. I was listening to the Pivot podcast uh, earlier in this week. Maybe some of you listened to it as well. And Scott Galloway is a NYU professor and a devout atheist. And he had just heard the, the statistic that maybe some of you heard as well that we dipped below 50% Christianity in America. And maybe you, would, you have an expectation of Scott Galloway here. Maybe you would think that he would say, well, good, right? He's an atheist. Maybe he's got this kind of personality. No. Instead, he lamented. He said, that's the worst news I've ever heard. He said, that's a tragedy. He said, I may not believe in God, but I know people need church. And we know why. Scott Galloway may not be able to see why, but we know why. We know what church is offering. We know why church is so important because we're getting an opportunity to be one. We're getting an opportunity to find home. We know the secret. We know the truth that God is home, that Christ is home, that church is home. This is an opportunity that Christ prayed for himself. He prayed for you. No matter where you may be, no matter what point you may be in, Christ prayed for this exact moment. Christ prayed for Checkpoint Church. Christ prayed for Hillsdale back when we were in the warehouse, back whenever we were meeting in a home. Christ prayed for us. He prayed for you specifically. With that, I want to wrap up this time in the same way that I wrap up uh, every single video that we put out. We stream on Twitch Monday through Wednesday. Uh, we're on Discord. How many of you know what those two things are, Twitch and Discord, right? That's kind of a weird, weird, again, I get it. I get that this is weird. <laughs> but 
We're streaming on Twitch, we're on YouTube, we're doing podcasts, we're doing all these wonderful things, and we always end them the exact same way, the exact same way, because I don't know where people are coming from, I don't know what they look like, sometimes I don't even know their name, right? Sometimes all I get to see is their, their username, and Brad underscore one, two, three, I have a feeling that's not their, you know, Christian name, but I always tell them the exact same thing, no matter where they're from, no matter what they believe about God, no matter what their background may be, no matter how bad the church has hurt them, these three things remain to be true, no matter what. We believe these, we espouse these proudly. Number one, we tell them that God loves you. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, you can't make God hate you. God loves you. Number two, we firmly believe that because of that love of God, we love you. We want community with you. We want to offer this covenant, this oneness. And then number three, and something that is so incredibly important for so many of these people that have been hurt, we say, you matter. You matter. You are of sacred worth. The world is a better place because you are in it. God loves you. We love you. You matter. Let us be one.